0: Pod,
1: pod, pod, pod.
0: Rugby pod. Hello and welcome back to the Rugby Pod. I'm Andy Ryan, Big Jim and Goody are with me as usual. We'll be analysing all the details from a bumper opening weekend of Champions Cup Rugby, including some unprecedented success for English clubs. Whoa. Plus, we'll be having a chat with Toulouse's giant Australian second row Richie Arnold after their thrashing of Cardiff. So settle back, enjoy, and make sure that you've subscribed on Spotify.
2: This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too.
3: Andy Rowe, he's back. We didn't miss a beat. That is the first time in eight years (laughs) where you've
0: not had to redo it.
1: (laughs) He wants back in. How are you, pal? You look. Your face
0: looks like you've been licking things you shouldn't be licking. Let's just say it, mate. I've been licking the sunshine. It's been beautiful down here.
3: The red face. It looks like you've been rubbing your head up a cow's ass. (laughs)
0: I'm home. I've missed you, cows. Oh, they've missed me. What's the life expectancy of a cow in New Zealand? That is a good question. They can live up to 20, 25 years if you look after them. Right. Well,
3: it's the same cows then. The ones that you grew there up you with go. are still there. <laughs> <laughs> and,
1: this, and you're still,
0: you're still motorboating the Mandy Row, are you? Yeah, still motorboating Looks like it on your
1: face. Yeah.
0: Thanks, guys. Hey, it's,
4: it's good to it see is. you guys
0: too. You guys are looking well. Goody, <laughs> you've been tucking into the Christmas pies? No. No. The health kick is still going. Got holiday next week, so I've got to stay slim.
1: Get the old budgie smugglers out on the beach. Christmas hasn't fully kicked in yet with all the eating. When I get back from Dubai, my God, I'm going to get involved for a day and then back on the Watt Bike Lads and back on my PT sessions. So that's life these days. Good week in though, lads. Jim, you were,
3: what, you were over in South Africa, mate? I was. I was down in South Africa and talking of Christmas, I find it very strange. I'm sorry to all my South African brothers and sisters. I've just never been anywhere in December that isn't cold, snowing, wet, windy and rainy. And then I'm in South Africa, I'm in Joburg and Pretoria and it's 30 odd degrees with Christmas trees up. Just doesn't feel right, <laughs> but it felt right being in South Africa. It was great to be back. I was covering the Vodacom Bulls and Saracens games for the Big Gym Show Live. We the go... Big
1: Jim Show!
3: Yeah, we go to the Champions Cup now. More specifically, the Investec Champions Cup. So it was great to be there. I had a hell of a week and I don't want to give too much away. I think I might have told you both sporadically, but I did my walk and talks or the slow walk and talks with Willie LaRue. And he called me out for calling him Willie LaPoo. But Andrew, I never said that. You did. You You used to call him Willie LaPoo. I called him Willie Lagoo I called him Willie no, Lague.
1: No, no. Let's be honest. Willie, here we
3: go. Well, he's awesome. He was awesome at the weekend, and it was good to see him as well.
1: Did you ask him about his celebration when they beat England? That's what people want to know. Yes. Tell me, he said sorry.
3: He just denied. We had a social media edit ready to go, but he just denied, and that's like nothing was wrong. But he was a brilliant bloke. Yeah, he is. Really good to spend a bit of time with him and be in Pretoria. But I'm gonna dangle the carrot. You know how much I love my UFC. Everyone knows on here my number one sport. I went to see the number one middleweight contender in the UFC, Dricus du c on the Thursday. Got an hour with him to do a walk and talk, a slow walk and talk interview. But in order for me to do that interview and to be allowed to do that, as you know, Andrew, like I told you, I had to do two rounds with him before we went out onto the road and started pounding the road in the interview. And it was the best day of my life.
1: No, you didn't. Yeah, Jim and I have been speaking and. I cannot wait to see the footage because do you want to describe what happened? Like, did you have the full kit on? Did you have any gloves on, or was it bare knuckle street fighting?
3: He handed me a pair of gloves, and I thought he was going to put the mitts on, and we were going to do a bit of content, like an interview. As he held the mitts, and I started going ha ha ha, ha and started punching the mitts. He put his gloves on, and I said to him, "Mate, why, are you, why are you got gloves on?" And then he just said, oh, "We're just going to start the clock." He said, uh, "You earn the right in this gym," being deadly serious, and then he put them on. I'm in my jeans. Street Fighter style. The clock went, the buzzer went, and we went hell for leather. Well, I say hell for leather. I've seen the footage back. It felt like hell for leather. (laughs) And what happened? You got choked out about six times. Well, I got choked out twice, but I leg kicked him straight. I've never (laughs) leg kicked a human being in my life. I have never kicked anyone ever. I've never kicked anyone ever.
1: You've shooed people.
3: I've shooed people, but as in in a fighting stance, I have kicked him with my left leg into his front leg, which was his left leg, because I see all the UFC fighters doing it. I've never kicked anyone in my life. And then I've (laughs) just like squeaked, oh my God, I'm so sorry. And he basically said, look, he said, if I can't take a kick off, Someone who looks like you, he said, there's no point me having a championship fight in oh, really? four weeks' time. And then he threw an uppercut and he knocked my teeth out. So <laughs> it was wicked. Oh, wow. Yeah. Did you give him the mauler's toe or not? No, he wanted me to, me to put my socks on. He thought I had a fungal infection, but it's not a fungal. <laughs> it's just my toes are battered. But best day of my life. So big shout out to Drickus C and his team. That content's going to come out on Ruby Pass TV soon. Yeah, it should have been sponsored by Maul & Brawl because we were mauling, we were brawling. I got tapped out twice. I wasn't going to tap, and then I thought, well, what if I pissed myself on the carpet, like, as in <laughs> on the mats? So I tapped at uh, the last
0: minute. <laughs> then I woke up the next day, and I thought I was ill. I thought my glands were swollen oh, in my neck, no. but it was my jaw that was bruised. How did he tap you out, Jim? What, what was the move that he had you in? Uh,
3: the same way Colin McGregor got tapped out by Khabib. So it, it wasn't a choke. Like he had his forearm around my face and I felt like my jaw was about to explode into three pieces. <laughs> so, And then by that time, my rib was in pieces because I've got a buggered rib from rugby. So I'm on the floor and I'm lying face down and I'm 19 stone, like I'm a big human. Aren't I A lot of muscle mass, a lot of bone mass. He can't get to me. So instead, he just squeezes me, like as in literally squeezes me like a bear hug from behind. I've never felt more inferior. And then I, I think I squealed and then I tapped and then it was over like the... And then you shout yourself. Well, there was definitely something in there, but they, like, <laughs> I want to go again. And everyone at the gym was like, You can't. Don't. You're not allowed. You're not insured oh, wow. for this. Like, you're not allowed to do it. So it was epic. Being in South Africa, big shout out to everyone there. They love the pod. They love what we do over here. We love the South Africans. And to be in what they call rugby heartland in Pretoria, I know you said you've been there before, Goody, it was uh, yeah. a real privilege. Long way, but privilege to be there a big shout out to the EPCR and Investec Champions Cup for letting me do my show pitch side as well
1: I've never heard anyone in my life say I had the best day of my life yet yeah, I got absolutely sparko tapped out twice and got filled in and shat myself but that was that's Jim Hamilton that's the day in the life yeah, of Jim me. Hamilton in my jeans <laughs> who street fights who does UFC in their jeans as well At 41.
0: No, I did. (laughs) Amazing. Amazing. Goody, you would have just been perched up watching the rugby all weekend. Hell of a weekend for the English fans, wasn't
1: it? It was a great weekend. And we'll rewind. So Jim's very different to me. That was what he was doing Thursday, Friday, Saturday. I was at Lapland on Friday with the kids. What? Yeah. Basically, the kids finished school on Thursday last week for a month. And I'm like, what do you do with them? So straight away on the Friday, straight to Lapland. We had a lovely day there. And then Saturday, I was down in Exeter. Down at the Chief, 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 Chiefs. Not for a, a rugby game, for the rugby ball. Raising money for loose heads and my name's Doddy. So I really enjoyed that Saturday night. And then Sunday I was up at Leicester commentating. So I consumed a lot of ruggers this weekend. Hiding from the kids again in the bog. There's 12 games on. 12 rugby union games from the Investec Champions Cup on this weekend. It was brilliant, epic. And we'll get into the, the bones of it in a minute. But who'd have seen it, eh? Seven English teams, one defeat. Saracens, they went to a very tough place. But six victories, six victories. When everyone's talked about the Premiership not being the best league anymore and all the issues there are, and I've kept saying it, I've kept beating the drum. On the field, the Premiership is probably the best it's ever been for entertainment. Off the field, there's issues all over the shop, as we've spoken about. But six out of seven victories, and some of the victories as well. Imagine Exeter's under-12s going down to Toulon. No one would have given them a chance of beating Toulon at their home patch. They won down there. Quinns go over to Racing with all their rock stars. And that kind of stadium suits them. But Northampton set the scene on Friday night, absolutely dominating Glasgow, who are second in the URC gym. And have been going really well, haven't they? So massive statement victories for some of the teams. Yeah, really impressive weekend.
3: And on that as well, though, Goody, I wasn't a hater last year, but I know it's taken a while to get going because of COVID. And I've spoke about budgets in the URC. The salary cap being cut in the prem, the South African teams coming in, the top fourteen salary cap, all for me. I'll say it. I'm happy. There he is, genuinely. Yeah, there we are.
1: He's got filled in on a Thursday and he's admitted his mistakes on a Monday. What (laughs) I mean, Jim Hamilton. (laughs) Been been (laughs) humble. That's it. Forty-one year old man that shits himself on a carpet. (laughs) But I know what you mean, though. And you look across this weekend and the Investec Champions Cup is back. We've got World Stars, Sia Khaleesi playing, Finn Russell. You know, the list goes on and on and on around who's playing in it and the who's who. But the actual quality of the games and the competition, I love the new format as well. Everyone's been moaning about the format a little bit over the last couple of years into around COVID and how they changed it and what was the best scenario. But four pools of six teams, top four in each pool qualify clear as day how to qualify it was banging rugby and you know, it's great to have it back and it, it brought back some amazing memories from playing the competition myself and you know thinking of the memories of that it's it really is a, a top tier competition that you know I think we, we've seen some unbelievable rugby this weekend.
0: Well, Marcus Smith was top tier on the weekend wasn't he?
1: He certainly was cometh the hour cometh the man you know there's been loads of headlines around Owen Farrell stepping back and not playing the Six Nations so who's next? The battle between him and George Ford last week, he won hands down. Then he goes over to Rassing. And a Champions Cup game against one of the big teams. Okay, they've lost Finn Russell this year. He's gone to Bath. But they were packed full of stars with Rassing. The stadium suits Quinns, the the fast pitch. But Marcus Smith, every part of his game yesterday, and we've said this about him before, he's got every facet to be a top-tier international rugby player, if given the opportunity. And his stats, he beat seven defenders yesterday, had two clean breaks, four break assists... He scored himself, his drop goal, his defence. I mean, every part of his game was top tier for me. Yeah, the drop goal from 40-odd out to put him 10 points ahead, his game management. But ultimately, there was a couple of tackles in there that people were like, oh, geez, yeah. The try saver at one point as well. And, and people stood up and, and saw that. We know he's got the dancing feet. We know he's got the flair. We know he's got that game attacking ability to unpick a defence with footwork, short passes, pump and go, offloads, the magic. He's got all that, but he's also got game control. His defence was on point. His game understanding was on point. And we're not that far away from the Six Nations, are we? What, six weeks away? Something like that, seven weeks away from the first game. There's so many young English players that are now putting their hands up, but he's got both hands up saying, give me the jersey. And hopefully... As sad as it is that Owen Farrell isn't going to be playing the Six Nations for various reasons, it's a brilliant opportunity for Marcus Smith to grab the shirt with both hands and you know, really play the way he wants to play in a jersey that he's, at the minute, deserving of. I've not
3: given Quinns the credit they deserve. Like, when they played against Sale, I know, look at me, I've been humbled.
1: <laughs> here I've it been is. humbled, here <laughs> we
3: go. But when they played against Sale, and we said, all oh, they played well, yeah. their defence was phenomenal. I don't think I mentioned that against a phenomenal defensive side in Sale, but the physicality that they bring, they barred up. And watching them against Rassin, they've got the complete game now. Like the breakdown with Will Evans in there, he got the turnover tackle at the end of the match when they might have been offside by a toe. Andy good, you were sending a clip round the group chat. What, what Whoa. You,
1: or was no, it me? No, it wasn't. No, James. No, it was, was you. It, made? it was you. I oh, was it me? It yeah, they're offside. Yeah. But
3: it just, so they've got the physicality around defence now. Jerry Flannery, he's probably been given that sole role. Danny Wilson's come in. He's a brilliant coach. He was great at Glasgow. Had a little bit of time at Leicester as well. You mentioned Marcus Smith at the line. Don Brandt's looking lean. They look the complete team. And to go there and the way that Marcus Smith played, they are definitely contenders for sure. And it's all about consistency with them. I was surprised actually how well they played away from home against Racing in that stadium.
1: Well, they like it there, don't they? Because they enjoy the razzmatazz. It's their kind of DNA of how they approach games, having fun and all that stuff. And the pitch and the fact that it's inside under a roof just suits them to play at a pace that they did. But yeah, they were class. You know, they're physical... Took their opportunities. As you said, Don Brandt looked good again. And, you know, there were some questions over how he was performing previously.
3: Brilliant for the club. Do you think Goody now, off the back of Marcus Smith these last two weeks, he's been given the keys by Steve, therefore the confidence of being told that and maybe not having to live in Owen's shadow has allowed him to play like that the last couple of weeks. And if that isn't the case, is he definitely the starting 10 now ahead of George
1: Ford? Yeah, I don't think it's the case because Steve's not someone that will phone them up and say, hey, mate, I'm going to start you in six weeks. Just play well. He's the sort of coach that keeps them on their toes. But what I do know is, and Marcus Smith said it himself, he actually struggled a bit when he came back to the Prem after the World Cup because he'd been playing and training at fullback for four months. He'd hardly trained at 10 within the England World Cup squad. He was training evidently at fullback all the time. So he took a bit of time to adjust. But we've seen over the last couple of weeks, And he's comfortable in the Quinn's environment, isn't he? Where he is the boss. It runs through him and Danny Kerr and how they attack. And they've got a really good understanding. And he's full of confidence, full of beans. He's backed by Nick Evans to try stuff. And it comes off invariably for him. So I don't think he's been given that nod by Steve Borthwick. The second question, do I think he should start? 100%. And the big thing is, ultimately, he's played a lot under an edgy Jones regime where Owen Farrell's captain as well, where he has had that pressure on him of, you know, the alpha in the group. And even when he played when Owen was injured, I think, for a few games, it was still kind of the Eddie Jones way and Eddie's the boss. And yes, the coach is the boss, of course he is. But he wasn't ever given free licence. And this is a huge opportunity for Steve Borthwick now. You could list seven, eight, nine, ten players, young English players who are at the top of their game, the likes of Ollie Lawrence, the likes of Alfie Barbary. You know, we're seeing Marcus Smith do it. We're seeing Will Joseph do it. You've got Freeman at Northampton carving up trees. Alex Mitchell's going well. Ben Spencer, again, on fire for Bath. So there's all these young-ish, some of them, English players that are on fire for their clubs and play an exciting brand of rugby that Steve now needs to wipe the slate clean when we get towards the Six Nations, have a blueprint that gets these boys into his team and excel in what they're doing for their clubs in an international environment. And hopefully, Marcus Smith gets to lead the charge from ten.
0: What about Henry Arundel, Gertie? What do you know about that? Apparently, Borthwick with RFU, someone's given him an ultimatum, and he's extended his deal with Russing and not available for the Six Nations. What What do you know?
1: Not a lot, to be honest, in terms of what's signed officially. And this is the hard thing. No one's come out and said this is the situation with the RFU. No one from the RFU has come out and even mentioned the word hybrid contract, have they? It's all sort of discussions behind closed doors. And get you need a bit of privacy around contractual stuff, but... Give us a framework, tell us what's going on so you can then judge a man. Ultimately, if he signs an extension with Racine before the Six Nations, it sounds like he can't play. And do you know what? Henry Arundel has gone over to Racine, he's flown out the blocks for them, scoring tries for fun, brilliant tries as well. And Racine have obviously seen something and gone, actually, we want to lock him down for three years and I don't blame him if he says I'm just going to sign the Rassing deal A it's probably more money B look at how he was treated during the World Cup he got one shot scored five tries and didn't play again and it's the same coaches there's no guarantee if he comes back to Bath on half his cash probably he's certainly not guaranteed to get picked by Steve Borthwick and maybe we've all not been privy to all the information which we haven't between them and maybe he feels the best place for him is Rassing if he does sign a three year deal there
0: you mentioned you mentioned Marcus Smith before Goody. Finn Smith, he seems to be getting better and better, isn't he? But he obviously, I'm not saying he's close to getting into the Six Nations, but his trajectory's heading towards an international call-up at some point, isn't it?
1: Yeah, well, he got called up recently, didn't he? I think he was in the the World Cup wider squad to start off with. He's a lovely kid. We've had him on here. He's a really good player, both sides of the ball. He, He likes to hit as well. But his game management and Saints and how they're playing at the minute with him, Freeman, Dingwall as well, all to the fore. And he's playing with Alex Mitchell, who, you yeah, know, we've spoken about in spades on here around, you know, how good he is and the pace that he plays at. He suits what Northampton are doing. And, you know, we spoke about Saints last week. I think about how they're barred up physically, defensively as well. And Finn Smith, yeah, he's definitely an option. Would I pick him ahead of Marcus Smith? No, not at the minute. But he is definitely a player for the future for the now as well, in terms of being in the squad and and growing his stature as a player and, you know, getting closer to that international cap to experience. We've still got George Ford as well, who's, you know, playing exceptionally well for sale as a as an experienced head. But Finn Smith's definitely in the picture and his performances are showing that for Saints. The the backing that Sam Vesti has allowed him to grow in confidence too.
0: Because not many people expected Saints to go up there and do a job at the Scotsman, did they? Yeah, Northampton again
3: Attack, unbelievable. Playing in the wide channels. Courtney Laws again. Physically, they were at the races. They made 183 tackles. 49% gain line successes. Look at me just throwing out stats. But I think that gives you a decent snapshot. Not only do Northampton play a great style of rugby, like physically, we spoke about Quins's defence. Northampton, the big work on looking for a defensive coach last year. Defenses win championships. And they've sorted that out. Physically, they were just there. Love the look of Northampton. Scotstone's not an easy place to go. We've been, as you say, Andrew, wax lyrical over Glasgow this season. They've had you, a, have. you have. Well, I, I haven't, not really. <laughs> Everyone has. I think they've looked okay. They've been in and out of games. I thought they were going to beat Northampton at home because the URC is so much better than. Is the it, Prem. though? No, I, no it? I've not said that. Other people are saying that. But yeah, Northampton looked very, very good. And Glasgow looks a little bit shell shocked.
1: You're right, Jim, they were shell-shocked a bit, Glasgow, and credit to Saints, in the pissing-doon reign. Saints fronted up, Freeman was class. Glasgow did look shell-shocked, uh, and they did sort of battle back a little bit in the second half, end up getting a penalty try. Ollie Smith scores a good one as well, but it was game over at that point. And the only frustration with Saints, they didn't get a bonus point. There was an opportunity, they were so in control of that game to go on and get an attacking bonus point. That was the only frustration, I think, from their point of view. But yeah, tough one for Glasgow now. You lose your first home game in the shortened format and it makes it a very, very hard proposition to come through from then. So uh, we'll see what minerals they've got, eh, Jim? Hey, don't ever ask anyone from Glasgow what minerals they've got because then you get the (laughs) Glasgow kiss. (laughs) In their defence, though, they go to Bayon next week. So if there is a winnable game away from home... Even though Bayonne did well at Munster, it's over there. So get the Glasgow kisses out, boys, and take it down to Bayonne because they love a scrap as well.
3: Mate, they do love a scrap. They took it Trevor Brennan style into the stands, didn't they?
1: They did. They did. They did. Yeah. What about that fan though? What, What's he doing? What an idiot. What are you doing? Pulling someone in? Not only pulling someone in, pulling the biggest fucker there that's fighting for Bayon in as well. Like, there just, you go. He'd obviously had a few beers. He had. I think he had a Guinness in his hand, didn't he? And you've pulled the shirt of one of the biggest guys. Just ridiculous. Stay away, fans. You don't need to get involved in that because we've seen Trevor Brennan do shit before, haven't we? Next thing you know, Cantona's flying in from somewhere with his (laughs) feet in someone's face.
0: Iconic, some might say. (laughs) How good was it to see a repeat of the final in the opening round? Unreal. Awesome. Yeah, yeah, that's a proper game first up. Almost spoiled, aren't you,
3: to get that first up. You think of the emotion from a Leinster perspective. Back-to-back finals, and you're going down to La Rochelle, O'Gara, they're going on for a, a treble Dynasty, all of these things. Leinster, we've spoken about it on here. Loads of pressure because they're very rarely tested in the lead up to the knockout stages. Doesn't get any bigger, does it? Against La Rochelle, yeah. who are fully loaded. I thought Leinster were wicked. It does seem like, and it's very early to say, isn't it? And you can't go off the back of a, a last minute win against Connor that Jack Nienaber comes in and, and change the mindset. But I do think he's going to make a difference to that Leinster team. Did we see that against La Rochelle? Uh, I mean it was still very close wasn't it but yeah I mean proper game like level of intensity La Rochelle actually haven't been playing well this season though you look no, at the re- results and stuff in the lead up to it the stuff around Rodge being was he red carded or
1: recited weren't he yeah he had a touchline ban this weekend he was up in the in the box basically he's been talking to French referees and he said previously he's, he's made some comments and with fourth officials and stuff that he shouldn't have done but he learnt his lesson and then he asked a question apparently a couple of weeks ago he wrote in his column that he said he felt, because he's Irish, you know, they treat him a different way to uh, a Christophe Urios, for example, who's you know, obviously French as they come and shouts and says what he wants and gets away with it. So I think he's feeling a bit of pressure at the minute with the way the French league and disciplinary process there have treated him. But it would have hurt him. And they've not played well at the start of the year. They've had a few changes. They had a load of players away at the World Cup. They're starting to get them back. But do you know what that game reminded me of, Jim? You'd have seen this firsthand. So the start of that game, La Rochelle against Leinster, obviously it was pissing down with rain. The weather was shocking. We know it comes in off the Atlantic coast there. But the intensity and the physicality in the first 10 or 15 minutes was very similar to something like Ireland's Africa at the World Cup. where. It what was... about
3: big, woolly little willy clearing rocks?
1: <coughs> <Mate. What> about... <laughs> oh, my
3: You're glad Gosh. you retired
1: at that point when you're seeing that.
3: Yeah, but you're right, the level of intensity, the physicality. Like, they're two test match teams. Like, Larochelle, fully loaded, and Will Skelton's huge for them. But when he blitzed James Ryan
1: in that breakdown, yeah. I was like, yeah. you bastard. <laughs> yeah, it was phenomenal. And that that's the thing you've got the last two finalists going at each other. Lencer have never beaten Larochelle until this weekend. In their own patch, the whole hurt around what happened at the end of the final last year in Leinster's home patch, effectively, the Aviva, just kudos to Leinster, really. Talk about Jack Nienaber, massive shout to leave van der Flier on the bench as well. Yeah. Massive shout. Obviously, starts Connors ahead of him, and I'm like, that's ballsy, ballsy as you like, but he comes on, angry man causes havoc at breakdowns and obviously gets the turnover that leads to Kieran Frawley. Oh my dash boot.
3: 60 meters. That's a dusty boot you're scooting.
1: But didn't I say <laughs> I've said a few times about that kid. Haven't yeah, I? You, you have. Give me that. Yeah, you have. You have. And my god he can kick a goal. Let me tell you. But yeah, Leinster the physicality. Larochelle got a tough spell now. They've got to go to the Stormers in Cape Town, 6,000 miles, whatever it is. Six-day turnaround as well. Mental. Yeah, talking about the Stormers. Chatting to John Dobson, our mate, before the game. Saw him. He was asking after you, Jim. Was he? No, he wasn't, no. No, he wasn't. No, he was. He was. He, he was. was, He's yeah. like. But what was he saying? He said to me, that big idiot's gone to Pretoria. Why didn't he come to Cape Town, Hey. Eh? Is he German? Yeah, he's German. That's Australian. The, that's he's the, like, the, yeah. that's the Australian Where? de Germany. Yeah, but it was great to see him, great to talk to him, and he's always got a smile on his face, infectious bloke.
3: Yeah, he really is, but on that though, like, as in, you are right, and again, without calling anyone out, but whoever put the fixture list together, a six-day turnaround, another storm has sent out the kids and nearly beat Leicester at Leicester, but, yeah. yeah, like, it's going to be tough now for La Rochelle, like, I mean, I don't even know how you get, how do you get down to Cape Town from La Rochelle, like, that's a couple of flights, is it not?
1: Well, you're going to Paris. You, you've got to get the bus from La Rochelle to Paris. Get on a <laughs> oh, plane gosh. from Paris. Imagine the size of that bus for La Rochelle. It's got to be massive, isn't it? No, it's not. You know their score buses that they take them in. <laughs> yeah, but the size of the human beings there. So, yeah, I mean, it's a, that's a huge game because imagine being champions, play two, lost two. Because the Stormers are playing there, big boys. Man and Lebok will be playing. They'll all be playing that game. They need to find a way that it's seven days in between any game that involves a South African team travelling or a team travelling to South Africa to play as well, because um, as you saw with the Sarries boys, and we'll get onto that game in a bit, they
0: looked fucked. Well, Jim, you were a, a vice-captain or co-captain. What did you make of James Ryan not being allowed to talk to Matthew Carley or Matthew Carley refusing to talk to James Ryan as co-captain?
3: Oh, that's a big talking point,
0: isn't it, out of the game, because
3: I am reckon James Ryan wouldn't be far away from the island captaincy as well. And we know... Johnny's history around talking to referees. We spoke about Owen. We spoke about Dan Bigger. It's a thing, right? And the Champions Cup is such a high level. You're up against the champions away from home fully emotionally in that zone we know the difference between being a, a captain and a great captain is how you interact with the referees and it's becoming a thing now it's becoming very topical and being called out i'm sure james ryanfield was quite embarrassed by that but i'm blaming big willy little willy skeleton when he gets absolutely blitzed at the side of the ruck, you know and it's a thing you've seen james ryan before it was almost come of the hour come of the man a few years ago in that game with james ryan wasn't it? i think Well, we heard that he didn't get picked for the Lions off the back of that game against La Rochelle, but it turns out it was actually James Ryder who decided not to go on the tour. So it was a bit harsh that we said that, but he got bullied by La Rochelle and he's fronted up recently and he's taken himself to a physical level. And you can see how emotionally charged he was, but for Matt Carley to say, look, mate, I ain't speaking to you anymore. You can bring your vice captain, your co-captain, Gary Ringrose, to start talking to me. It's a rude awakening for him if we are speaking frank.
1: And it's one of those things that I think more referees are going to start treating players like that. We have seen more and more appealing and moaning and everyone throwing their hands in the air at referees a lot. And it's grown into this thing. We've seen referees sort of complain about the treatment they get on social media, which is completely fair. And it's a societal issue. As we said last week, it's becoming ingrained in the players to appeal for everything, you know, hold their heads and all this stuff if they've been hit. So, referees need to be protected in a way and Matt Carley's made a stance against James Ryan constantly appealing for stuff and you hope that it's consistent across the board because we know other referees let things go more than others and we know other players go after referees as much as some of the names you mentioned there Jim historically around players appealing for everything we had Jamie Ritchie on the pod the other week didn't we and it was something that you mentioned as well around his interaction with referees. Players have to be careful, and it's that fine balance between the emotion, being the captain, challenging a referee enough to, you know, make him think about things, but also doing it in a right tone that doesn't piss him off so he doesn't talk to you anymore. So James Ryan will learn from it, and, you know, I'm sure he apologised to Matt Carley after the game, and it's a lesson for him and a lot of other players of, of how to conduct yourself around referees now. Do you know, on that note, chatting
3: to referees of the last generation of players, who do you think they said the very best captain has been not just one as in two or three or four have said it Anton Dupont no Sia Khaleesi nope Jamie Ritchie no he should have retired ten years ago but he's only just retired Alan (laughs) Wynne Alan Wynne all the referees said that he is the very best captain they've worked with why well, because he can do the splits and lick his finger. I don't know. <laughs> I don't really know. And we know that the referees are a little bit fruity. <laughs> so, but they said Alan Wynne-Jones. And you think back to how he interacts with the referee, soft-spoken, the old jollo down on the haunches, yeah. challenged at the right times. There's an emotional intelligence. There's a skill in doing that. So there you go, Alan Wynne-Jones. Don't come back. I mean, you're absolutely buggered, but <laughs> he was the best.
1: He can still do a job, Adam, win. He can still do it. He set up a try with his last touch to win too long the game after he'd had 10 minutes he was off. He Yeah, we'd had 10 minutes off and it would seized
0: up and he still can produce, man. That boy can produce. He can. Series didn't really endear themselves to the referee on the weekend, did they, Jim? Discipline an issue?
3: Yeah, discipline was clearly an issue. Two yellow cards and a red card. But my goodness me, the Vodacom balls came flying out the blocks so we can get onto the discipline side of things, which has been an issue for Saracens, especially in that game. But I just thought the balls looked brilliant. They looked physical. Uh, the bat three, their kicking game, Kirtley Aronser, unbelievable. I reckon they've got the best bat three in the Vestat Champions Cup with Caden Moody, Willie LaRue, who's my best mate now, and Kirtley Aronser on the left wing.
1: Look at you just back in Ville Le Poux
3: Unbelievable. To Ville Le no, Ville Le but the altitude, don't get me wrong, is definitely a thing. Again, you factor in the travel. Saracen's played against Northampton last week. Then you jump on a plane. You've got to try and acclimatise there. So the heat, it was hot all week in training. And yes, the lads can say, yeah, we're up to the level, no pun intended, of the altitude and stuff. Yeah, they've even got a sign of the Vodacom balls at Loftus Versfeld. It says altitude, full stop, 1,350 metres. It matters. That's the last (laughs) thing you see as you walk out with your snorkel into the stadium. So (laughs) they were clearly struggling. And I don't know, it just felt like they, yeah, they were off. Like emotionally, they were off. Their defence was poor. Discipline was poor, we mentioned. But they nearly came back at the end with 14 men.
1: So this is the big thing. When when you talk about Altitude, I played there a couple of times at Altitude in South Africa. People say it hits you after about 10-15 10-15 minutes. Like you literally cannot grasp for air. And so the Bulls came out and played at a pace and an intensity at the start of the game. And I'm like, oh my God, this could be an absolute in for Saracens. The three cards they got, two yellows, Alex Good I thought was really unlucky. He's got away with those before and you, know, you go into the depths of the law and he can stand his ground. He cannot move or make himself any bigger when a chip kick goes over the top of him. And if you look, he just turns a slight bit and Moves his shoulders and his arse falls out a little bit. I thought he was unlucky. I didn't think that was probably a yellow card. And then Marrows one. Marrows was crazy. A real stupid yellow card. You can't dive over a rock and slap the scrum off. And then Billy's one. Billy's red card. I ain't having it. I'm not having that as a red card at all. And I've got a big issue. I even saw Dan Robson tweeted something at the weekend about players holding their heads appealing for stuff. Get yourselves off for an HIA if you're going to appeal like that. And you saw it, Billy's come in, he's, he, you know, he is illegal in how he's approaching the rock. but you see South Africans flying to rocks as well. It just so happens that with his one, he hardly even brushes the lad's face and he's gone down like he's been melted full on in the nose. There's too much gamesmanship for me around that stuff at the minute. Yeah, we spoke about other instances where players are holding heads and all that stuff before, but Billy's one's a yellow card at best. He's illegal going into the clear out. Reckless entry. Reckless entry, you know, all that stuff. But the impact and the fact that there's mitigation because the Bulls player falls backwards and is sort of getting out the ruck, I think there should have been some mitigation against it and it should have just been a yellow card. So you can talk about Saracen's discipline issues as much as you want. I thought they were very unlucky with two of their cards. And then they showed a bit of fight to come back. But let's be honest, the Bulls at home in Pretoria at altitude with the way they sped through the gears at times. Kurtley Aronser and Caden Moody just absolutely ripping them to pieces at times. They were fully deserved winners. And it's interesting, because you look at Sarri's, they've got to come back now from South Africa. Some people are like, why have they sent all the big dogs over there? Like in this tournament, you could have sent a second team. And I asked you, didn't I, Jim? I'm like, why did they go and risk all the big dogs? Because Billy will pick up a ban now, more than likely. You know, the knock-on effect of the travel this week and how much it takes out of them. And then you said to me, James, that they've got loads of injuries, haven't they? Yeah, they've got a
3: few injuries. They're thin on the ground. But they wanted to make a statement. I agree with you. When you look at it and you look at the Stormers and then they're going to go full noise at home and the travel aspect around that. Last week, losing against Northampton, the way in which they did the stuff around Faz, I think they wanted to make a statement. Probably unsure to actually how good the balls are and how tough it was going to be to play in that stadium. But it was wicked to be there. I, th- I think the South African teams to watch... It's definitely going to be the Vodacon Bulls. And it'll be interesting to see how the Stormers go fully loaded against La Rochelle at home.
1: To be fair to Saris, they've only got Connacht this week. I say only because they got absolutely hosed at home. So you'd back Saris to bounce back this weekend.
2: This episode is brought to you by Viore. I love sports. I know you do too. I also know that lots of you exercise. But if you're like me and my wife, the, the beloved sports gal, And you never feel like you're either underdressed or overdressed. You're just comfortable. You can wear it when you're training, traveling, lounging around the house. Go get yourself some of the most comfortable and versatile clothing on the planet. Here's the deal: our listeners get twenty percent off their first purchase at Viori.com/simmons. Once again, V-U-O-R-I.com/simmons.
4: This episode is brought to you by Hotels.com.
2: See website for details. We're
0: joined now by Toulouse second row, Richie Arnold, who was involved in their demolition job over Cardiff at the weekend. How are you, mate? Yeah, good, thanks. Thanks for having me. Mate, it's class to
3: have you. And the tides have turned for Toulouse, and we can get into all the other stuff since she signed a Scotsman. That's the influence now that Scotsman have on teams. So Blair Kinghorn turns up, and we'll say it's with the first touch. He runs one in from the halfway. How's he been since he's got there?
5: No, he's been class, to be fair. His debut was um, one you remember, I think. he's yeah got two tries. Um, yeah, he's been good to the group. Some good banter. And um, no, he's going to be good for us going forward. And I forgot how tall he was. I thought he was a lot. Yeah, he's rangy. I thought I was in trouble for my position, to be fair.
3: <laughs> we had Andrew Porter on the Island Loosehead, and he said they really struggled off the back of the World Cup. I imagine it must have been doubly tough for the French guys. Did you get a gauge on that
5: emotion? Oh, it was pretty tough for me, to be honest, because I was probably kicking stones myself more than them, mm. to be honest, like the disappointment the Wallabies had during the World Cup. But no, some of those boys um, like Tom Ramos and Ruvaka, um, those boys, they just came straight in. I mean, I think they were saying, it's way better for them just to get straight back into it. Don't give yourself time to think about it. Having all the internationals back, it was good. I think they were happy to come back to back into the group and... It, it, it's tough because we had such a successful top 14 last year and then you go to a World Cup and then you come back and the disappointment from a World Cup, you sort of forget our uh, success we had last year. Hang on, I am disappointed, but last year we actually we won the top 14. So yeah, it was, it was bizarre.
1: Let me talk to you about the World Cup then because obviously without rubbing salt into the wounds, I know you said you were pretty frustrated yourself. Australia's worst ever World Cup. I'm basically just blaming Eddie Jones. I had a great squad. You left some brilliant players at home. The bloke's a clown. Are you glad to see the back of him or what?
5: (laughs) (laughs) Nah, look, I um, I enjoyed Eddie. I I enjoyed him. Um, Of course, I wanted to say that because he brought me in and gave me my first cap. But um, it was a tough pill to swallow. Obviously, being the first Wallaby team not to um, go past the pool stages. And if you have a look at our pool, on our like what pool we're in, like to respect to the other teams in our pool, like we should have we should have went through. Like, so that was a disappointing thing. It was tough because like. We had a really tight group. We had a young group. We had a really tight group, and we and we trained hard. Like we trained hard. We were all we we smashing each other, and, and and the disappointing thing was you just didn't convert to the, the scoreboard. And I think that was a tough thing to swallow because we're all you know thinking like where we where we went wrong. But I mean sometimes that's the last thing to come is, is that scoreboard.
3: Yeah. Big news this week is Mark Nawangaditaase going off to the NRL. I love watching him. Like loved watching him. Should I say? Is there any chat around that? Is there a WhatsApp group? Like, what's everyone saying? Because he looks like he was going to be the next big thing. And he still might do. might come back. But what's the general consensus around Martin Nwanga with Nita Wasi?
5: Oh, well, it's hard, obviously, because I'm in the top 14. So I don't really get to keep in contact with those boys too too much. But he's a freak of an athlete. He's, he's similar to, like, uh, Izzy Flair. He's, he's got that vertical jump like, under the high ball. Um, I think he'll do really well over there, too, in the NRL. So, no, ha- happy for him.
3: Is it money, do you think? Like, what would be a reason for him to go?
5: Oh, I'm not sure. I mean, he's young. He probably could probably could give it a crack and come back. I mean, he's played. He you can say he's played the World Cup, even though it wasn't successful. I mean, yeah. And in Australia, rugby league's huge, you know.
1: Money, then basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <Without Sam. laughs> yeah, it's massive. Yeah, failure, fucking money.
3: That is the thing, though, isn't it, Richie? Because the, the, when you talk about it, I was listening to who was it, Tim Horan talking about the World Cup, and they were talking about the structure in Australia and how people don't really like to talk about it, but he was talking about the incentive to go to AFL or to go to NRL, and it's almost like that is the issue, and then now you're losing a star player. Like People are going to be like, well, how have they let him go? So it does come down to opportunity. It would be awesome to play for the the Roosters. How cool does that sound? But clearly it's going to be the financial incentive, right?
5: Yeah, 100%. 100%. It's probably You think a few things um, would be um, on his list there. And I reckon, yeah, your career is only a short time, so you've got to make the most of it. So if he's went over for the money, I don't fault him for that.
1: Yeah, no, you can't. You can't. Now, I'm a father of twins, identical twins. Jim's a father of twins as well. You and your twin brother, pretty decent. What's it like playing with him? Is there much of a rivalry between you and... And does it get any easier as a parent?
3: That's the main question. Well, now I'm a
5: father of three kids. I don't know how my my, my parents done it, to me fair. <laughs> but um, no, look, man, yeah, me and Roy, we're really tight. We're really close, and he's up in Japan, um, milking it up there, playing. I'm not sure how many matches a year, six matches a year, getting paid <laughs> ridiculous amounts in the third division, mind you. But yeah, when he was in Toulouse, it was awesome to have him here for t- for that two seasons. Definitely, probably the pinnacle of my career, like playing with your your twin brother. Like that year we went back-to-back, back, done Europe and the top 14. So that was cool in, in that aspect. He made it first professionally and then I was just – I came probably two, three, two years after. And so I remember we first played each other. Like it was called NRC. It was, it was one under super rugby, like above club rugby, but anyway. And we, we were both playing for different teams. And he's probably coming off two years of professional rugby and I'm coming just from being a, a labourer, just, you know – sloppy rig well, I still do but
3: hey you're talking to two of the sloppiest so <laughs> don't
5: worry about it and yeah we're, pl- we're playing and it was, it was so funny like obviously he's fit as and he's like I'm not sure if he was trying to he was putting shit on me but he was like at the same time he was like encouraging me he's like come on big fella keep working keep working and that just like stirred me up like, here oh, <laughs> <laughs> we're probably a little bit different I think I'm maybe a bit more um probably the boys would say a bit more open, probably. he's a bit bit more reserved.
3: Loose. He means loose. That
5: That's what that means. More <laughs> open.
1: <laughs> Rich, Rich is the loose twin.
5: A lot angry angrier than me. I would always be on the field together and he wouldn't be afraid to just start spraying, you. Yeah, yeah that, was, uh, that was something.
1: I just want to ask you briefly as well. Obviously, in Toulouse, you've been there a while now. Ugo Moller's the head coach. He coached me many years ago at Breve and he had the best strut I've ever seen. The most arrogant strut down the touchline. Thinks he's the coolest in town. He's still got the strut, and he still thinks he's cool as fuck, but his breath is hanging, right?
5: Mate, still has the strut. You see him on the sideline sometimes, you're like, oh my God, he's, he's sitting there, he's got the arm band on. He's got, it's probably gotten worse, to be
3: fair. Yeah, success comes that. And that's what they like, aren't they? It's the Fabian Gautier. You watch, I'll be benched this
5: week, or I'll be out of the 20th.
3: <laughs> yeah, be careful what you say. We were talking about the South African teams coming in, with the Australia-South Africa healthy rivalry that happens around that, but also the traditions of Toulouse, how have they been received, if you can translate what the emotion is like around Toulouse, having the South African teams in and that kind of different relationship to the tournament?
5: I'm all for it, to be fair. It just shows that they after winning the World Cup, they've got strong franchises, and I think they, they do well when they come into the Champions Cup because they're big, they're a big pack, they're physical, and they're quick, fit they're, they're fit they're, a fit, they're a fit side. So for me, I, I like having them in there. I mean, it just makes uh, if you want to be the best, you've got to beat the best, and they are some of the best teams in the world. So I, I think it's good having him in the Champions Cup.
1: And just staying with the Investor at Champions Cup, you come away to Quinn's this weekend, obviously had a good win against Cardiff, but playing Quinn's on Sunday, they play a very different brand of rugby to a lot of teams. You looking forward to that game?
5: Yeah, they done a number on the weekend in racing against racing, which isn't easy to do. Um they got a lot of internationals, they've got a class team, they got a solid set piece, and they got a young ten and a solid twelve. They're gonna be uh they're gonna to be tough over there. It's gonna be a a big ask for us, so yeah, we uh, we've done a review preview th- today, and um, yeah, we've seen all all the, all the threats they have, and um, yeah, we're going to need to be at our best to beat them.
1: Who's in charge of stopping Marcus Smith and his bag of tricks?
5: Marcus Smith, uh just someone has to be this sacrificial lamb and put put, put a good <laughs> shot on him. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Is that you?
5: Uh, <laughs> I'll probably probably get him a bit too high. I've got to bloody chop him around the knees, the ankles. Yeah,
3: you need someone, not that I want to give you any advice You double the player I was, you need someone inside and outside, that's all I'm saying <laughs> for, the show, for the show and go.
5: And blame them. Well mate, if we're, if, we're, if it's a kick chase line, I'll be making sure there's someone <laughs> bloody, in arms length
3: Or pull your hamstring just before, so if you see you on your own, because that's what they say, oh, who's the hardest player you've played against? It's the ones that could embarrass you and Marcus Smith is one of those players, if you're on your own, he's making you look like an idiot, you've become a, a show reel highlight. <laughs>
0: All right, Richie, thank you very much for coming on the show, mate. Best of luck against Quinn. Yeah, thanks, guys. Thank you. Awesome. Good luck this weekend, mate. Thanks for coming in. Say hello to Blair. Cheers, Richie. Good man.
1: Thanks, guys. Thanks. Top lad. Top bloke. Yeah, he is. He is. Um, he was grateful for Eddie Jones for picking him. I wouldn't get stuck into him. We all know the truth, though. Eddie's a clown, right? Well, you know what?
3: There's something in it. Loyalty or what? But I've not heard one person. I have. From in and around his era come out. Publicly. Who?
1: Oh, no. Publicly. It's the whole thing about be kind or this stuff. Eddie's not been kind to a lot of people.
3: Yeah, but if I'm it's that it. bad, someone needs to come out and say, don't they? Because we are just, he said, she said.
1: They're worried about saying something that might get them in trouble further down the line. So it's a tough one. I'll, I'll be honest about Eddie. I know a lot of stories where he's ran a shit show. So there we go. What a shame, eh? Goody, you were on comms for the Leicester game, weren't you? I was. A few bits to talk about the Leicester-Stormers game. Stormers sent a second-slash-third team with an eye on next week's game against La Rochelle, leaving a lot of their stars back in South Africa. But, my God, they turned up. And I spoke to Dobbo before the game, and he was like, I'm telling you, my brew, these guys, they will fight, eh? They'll be a fight. And I'm looking at them and going through the team sheets and doing your prep for the commentary and all this stuff. Didn't know a lot about some of them, so we're having to Google them and look at all their notes that Tim did for us. And you sat there going... Like, this should be comfortable for Leicester, but like any South African team you've ever played against, they'll fight and come hard and keep coming. Whether they're young kids, whether they're old blokes, and shout out to Brock Harris, he's about 49. He's got calves the size of Jim's, but he can scrummage to the cow sheds <laughs> in <and> back. <laughs> what massive then? Massive big, baby throbbing things? No, oh, really? No, right. no, no. That, that's the other thing that you've got that's throbbing. But the young fly-off, Mathieu, was playing 10. His Stormers debut. People hadn't heard of him. He had a really good game. Morabia eight was class. Big, powerful ladder. And, but talking about Leicester, I think they had one eye on their Christmas party, Jim, because it was their Christmas party that night. But they just made errors. Freddie Stewart dropped the ball about five times. Like, never seen it from Freddie Stewart. Jasper Visa picks the ball up from the back of the scrum. All he's doing is eyeing up the 10 to try and run straight over him. Just leaves the ball behind. And off the back of that, the Stormers score. There was another one. The ball squirted out the back of a scrum. To vet the scrum half, hacks on and scores a try just for half time. So they weren't at the races in the first half. I think they were too interested in the Christmas party, but they got there in the end. Andre Pollard stepped up, scored a try, kicked some goals, created a try with Jamie Shilcock. Fuck, unbelievable pass from Jamie Shilcock, by the way. Mm. 30 metres in the wet to Josh Bassett to get the bonus point the last play of the game. They didn't deserve the bonus point and credit to the Stormers for everything that they put out there. But yeah, Leicester, they got the bonus point. They had their Christmas party that evening. And good old Ben Youngs, as kind of the leader of the group, he made it compulsory that you had to bring a plus one. Oh. You think about back in the day how many single lads there are. There's a fair few single lads. They all had to find a plus one. What do you and... mean they had to find a plus one? Well, you bring your wife, your girlfriend. Or a fan. Yeah, it's quite funny. And I've chatted to him before the game, he's like, there's big pressure on the big ginger, Ollie Chesham. The he's big like, ginger. He hasn't got anyone to bring Oh, um, the poor lad he was like struggling a bit and everyone was looking around and he was like open and honest that he was struggling. Jimmy Whitcomb as well, the prop, he was struggling so... Bless him. Jimmy Whitcomb, put a dress on, went as a woman. It's 2023, you can do that. And went as Ollie Chesham's date. So dressed as a woman oh. and went as Ollie Chesham's date. So they got away with it.
3: It was either that for Olly Chesham with Whitcomb dressed up in a... I mean, goodness me, some site that. Or it's the fan from row two with the Tigers <laughs> beanie hat on. <laughs> when I watch Leicester, I go through the archives in my mind. I think about them late night events we had, the Christmas events that we had, the testimonial events... Yeah. after the finals and I remember curry, we always had a curry night around December <laughs> yeah. and I remember going to a curry house down London Road, I brought all the covskins as well and apparently one of the covskins has tried to fish a fish out of the fish tank to put in his poppadoms <laughs> and the owner from the curry house has whipped off his belt, who whips off the belt when you get pissed <laughs> off and he's whacked covskins straight round the face like he's been lassoed, like Indiana Jones basically, yeah.
1: Yeah, mad days, crazy days at Leicester, but no, good to get the win for them. Biggest attendance of the weekend across the whole competition, just shy of 20,000 there. So while they didn't perform very well and Dan McKellar was raging at halftime, it was, uh, you know, good to pull through with the win. Bath are doing well at the minute, goody. Yeah, they're flying. A lot of good young English players there, Finns at the wheel. And they had a horrific record. I think it was like something, something like they'd lost their last 10 games in Europe or something crazy like that in the Champions Cup. And it was a big one for them. Ulster come to town. Ulster won there either last year or the year before and won comfortably. So big questions being asked. Ulster went into a bit of a lead, fought their way back. But the second half, 31-0. Ben Spencer was on fire. Thokken a singer. He must listen to the pod because Jim called him out a few weeks back saying he just needs a bit more. He's given a bit more. Ollie Lawrence was on fire. The boy gets out of tackles, gets through tackles, offloading game. It's just off the charts good at the minute. So, Bath really did shine. Beno Urbano got man of the match, scrummaging into the cow sheds and back. Stephen, take your kits off. He wasn't very good for Ulster. You know, they got owned at scrum time, really. And it was a complete performance from Bath. Finn, you know, doing Finn things. And they are genuine. I don't, I'm not sure they're contenders in the Champions Cup, but they're certainly contenders in the Prem and... They are bubbling along really nicely. So, really disappointed in Ulster. No, Mike Lowry. He was on the bench. Cooney was on the bench, but the second half, that I just thought they were they threw the towel in a bit, to be honest, which is very Ulster like. So, big questions to be asked around them and their desire next week, obviously back at the Kingspan. But all about Bath. They were absolutely class, and um, you know it's a
0: big, big win to start the tournament for them. We've had a good chance to look at some of the talent now. If you're picking a rugby pod champions cup dream team, who are you going for, lads? Should we start in the front row, props? Jim, do you want to do the forwards? Yeah, I'll do the forwards. Yeah, so we'll go
3: one to fifteen. We'll go like that. And there are some interesting topics around this, aren't there? Because let's remember, we're picking the champions cup and not the challenge cup. Don't be horrible, Goody. All right? Uh, Okay. Don't be. I know there's a lot of rugby. I know the challenge cup's happening in the drags and Newcastle struggle. It's fine.
1: Hey, the fucking drags won, mate. You yeah, I know, they're still struggling. Respect. No, no, <laughs> play that well, all right?
3: Okay, they were struggling for 70% of the game. I'm being horrible. But I was going to put players like Che, for example. I was going to put Ebenezer Beth in, but you can't, because the Sharks... No. Sorry. You in it. You're not there. You're not at the top table. Names not down, not coming in. Yeah, you're not. Well, the names are down if you're a Challenge Cup fan, which I'm not. I'm just top ta- table. I just eat at the top <laughs> table. You, you eat it at the top table and the top table in itself. So... Loads of players you could pick around the forwards. So I mentioned Oxen but he ain't going in none of the Sharks boys. So no Ebenezer Beth either. You've got the likes of Ellis Genge. You mentioned Stephen Kitsoff at Ulster as well. But yeah, Kitsoff ain't going on. You need to keep your kit on just for now and start hosing some scrums. So if we start in that position, I'm going to go with Cyril, my old Cyril, bye, at number one. Yeah. My favourite name. Yeah, he's, a, he's a baller. He's a baller, he's a boy, and he's got a name like Cyril. Imagine calling your kid Cyril.
1: <laughs> Bit different in France.
3: I know, in yeah. France. Not yeah. in England. Yeah. Cyril! No, it's like a dog's Cyril. name or something, isn't it's it? it? Like, yeah, like my mate's mum's called Sharon like, as well. Like, who, how can you call a kid Sharon now? You just can't, <laughs> can you? So shout out to all you Sharons out there. And Cyril bye. big shout out to you, mate. You're going in at number one. I was going to go Peto Malvaca because he was unbelievable in the World Cup. But Leinster beat La Rochelle at the weekend. And I'm going to double down. I'm going to say that the scrum is going to get better. And I've gone for Dan Sheehan. So Dan Sheehan's number two. And he plays 80 minutes. Well, he didn't play 80 minutes because Kelleher comes on as well. But he can play 80 minutes. So a fan. And I'm thinking about all these things. Someone who doesn't play 80 minutes, but he's going in. He's just retired from France. But he's at the Champions. Weenie Antonio. He
1: ain't weenie, is he? he ain't no, so he's, weeny. Not
3: weeny. he's not weenie. He's not weenie. He doesn't play a full 80.
1: He's absolutely fucking massive, let's be honest. Yeah,
3: that's why. Well, you'll see where I'm going here. You'll see where I'm going with the story. He was going to retire. I was thinking there's no chance he's going anywhere near my Champions Cup team because he's on a swan song. But Northampton have been awesome this year. And Courtney Laws, he's out of contract, which means he's going to perform at the highest level he can, which is the Champions Cup. So I'm putting Courtney Laws in at number four, not back row. In
1: the second row. He won't thank you for that.
3: Yeah, but you'll see the back row and he'll be like, all right, it's fair enough. I'm happy to be <laughs> yeah. in the second row. Yeah. And poor James Ryan, he felt the grip of the big Willie, little Willie. He felt the grip. He felt the hand. So Will Skelton's going in. But you've got Wookiee, Cameron Wookiee, who I thought was awesome for Wrestling 92 at the weekend. Ty Byrne as well. Big fan of his, friend of the show. But if you've got Will Skelton knocking about, he's in the second row. Simon him Courtney Laws, back row was really hard few injuries at the minute. Ben Earl be there or thereabouts. Tom Curry for to sale as well, but they're injured. I've gone... Kelly me old Doris, I know he wears eight, but I've gone six. Yep. Sia Khaleesi, he wears six, wears seven. He can wear what he wants. He can. And you might think, oh, Sia Khaleesi's just because he won the World Cup and because you love South Africa and because he came over to the side of the pitch and gave me a hug. It's not. I genuinely think he is one of the best players in the world in how he plays. But I did have, in brackets... A couple of Leicester lads, one that's at Quinn's now. Tommy Rafael, he'd be yeah. a good shout. And Will Evans at Quinn's. I think he's having a... He wouldn't be far away from England, you know. So if Beno, which I think he will get right for the Six Nations, Tom Curry, if there's another injury, I reckon Will Evans is there or thereabouts as a small back row as well.
1: Yeah.
3: Number eight. It's
1: not hard, is it? Tell
3: me who you've gone.
1: I would have gone, he's already Gregory Aldrete.
3: See, I haven't got him. I haven't.
1: Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. I need Who a monster. i have you
3: gone with? I've got a, I've got a monster. Olivon. No, no. No. I wouldn't put him at eight. I'd put him in the back row. And he'd be a good yeah. shout as well. I like Charles Olivon. Our team, you know that I love him. Leicester.
1: Leicester. Oh, Jasper Visa, of course.
3: I know. Which some people might be like, oh, yeah. I'd, th- this is like as in my dream pack, if I was to put that out there. Imagine how scary that looks. You've got Cyril by me old Cyril. You've got Dan Sheehan, friend of the show. You've got Weenie Antonio. You've got Courtney Laws and Big Willy Little Willie Skelton. Caleb, me old Doris. I was going to go Levani Botia, but I think that he's he's 63 now. He's aged. <laughs> got a lot of miles on the clock. Sia Khaleesi and Jasper Visa.
0: Yeah, that's a good shout. That is a hell of a forward pack, to be fair, James. Hell of a forward pack. Goody, if we're looking at the backs, mate, who's getting the sweet pill off Jim's monster Ford pack. You can't go Anton De Paul.
3: He's going sevens. He, eight, he's turned his back on fifteens.
1: This is the thing, though. If you've gone a monster pack, you need a back line that can rip a team to shreds in terms of with all the ball that they get, they are going to be hot-stepping, delivering, exciting, because they're on the front foot the whole time. You don't need any monsters, really. So for me, I have gone... You've gone
3: Craig Casey, then?
1: No, no, I've not gone the smallest fella to ever play professional rugby. I have gone, of course I have, Anton Dupont. If you watched him at the weekend, I know he's going to sevens. I know he's not playing the Six Nations, but we are talking about the Investec Champions Cup dream team. And if he's not your nine, there's something wrong with you because he is ridiculously good. He does the lot. So he starts at nine. At fly half, if you've got a magician at nine, you need a magician at ten. And it was down to one of two at the minute.
3: I, if you don't put Andre Pollard in with how he's been playing, then I, I would not be turning back up to that Andy Goose suite ever
1: again, as much as we love Finn. Say it. I've got a lot of time and respect for Andre Pollard. He wore my gloves in training last week, but but he didn't have the cojones to wear them in a game. And I spoke to him before the game. I said, where are the gloves? He goes, bru I cannot wear them in a game, eh? I'm like, okay, so you're not going to my dream team, Andre. <laughs> it was between two magicians because of that magicians were Marcus Smith or Finn Russell but there's only one winner he's a good friend of yours he's a good friend of mine Finn Russell he's going at 10 friend of the show yeah friend of the show Finn Russell's going at 10 on the ding a ling a the ultimate finisher at the minute Damien Pernod he has gone to Bordeaux and he is on fire scoring a ridiculous amount of tries he's on one wing and then it was a bit of a battle on the other wing who do I go with Do I go with someone like Henry Arundel? Do I go with James Lowe? Do I go with Duan van der Merwe? Well, I can't go with Duane van der Merwe because he ain't in the Champions Cup. So I thought, who was ridiculous this weekend? And the hot stepper himself, Kurtley Aronsa, was absolutely ridiculous. So he's in it based on his footwork, how good he is. Just a classy operator because he's going to get opportunities to finish tries uh, in the centres. Now, this was difficult. I even messaged Ollie Lawrence the other day. I said, Mate, do you fancy playing a bit of 12? He said, No, no, I just want to play 13. Just want to focus on 13. But to be fair, if it's for England, he'll play anywhere. So I was stuck. Ollie Lawrence has got to go in on form. His offloading game, his tackle breaking abilities were just ridiculous. At 13, we're going to Ollie Lawrence, which leaves a bit of a hole at 12. And I'm looking round. You go Gael Fiku. You go Gary Ringrose, he's not really a 12. Robbie Henshaw. I just went for the World Cup superstar, Bundy Ackie. He's going at 12 for me. So you have got a bit of grunt in the back line. You've got big Bundy Ackie. Or I was going to put Lavani Bottier in there, but then he played in the back row for La Rochelle. So I couldn't put him there. So I'm going Bundy Ackie at 12, and then full-back to go with the wingers. Blacking on. Well, he was a thought. He was a thought, but then... Genuinely? Were you genuinely thinking that now? Is it to lose? No, I wasn't, no. Because no. <laughs> you can only ever have one Scotsman and team, and that's Finn. I am going exciting fullback. He's been top of his game 100%. for the last few years. It's got to be Hugo Keenan for me. Exciting back three, Sir, Damien Pannot scoring tries for fun, and Hugo Keenan. Decent centre partnership in Bundiaki and Ollie Lawrence. Finn the magician at 10, and Anton Dupont at 9. There's my dream team. Oof. Investec Champions Cup backline.
0: Yeah, you're going to be a better team than that. Right, shall we finish things off then with the good, the bad and the ugly? Yeah, let's.
1: We're going to start off with the Challenge Cup, Jim. We're going to mention a team from the Challenge Cup. And weirdly, they didn't even win. But it's a massive shout out to the Black Lion team from Georgia. Their first game in the Challenge Cup and they ran Gloucester pretty close. 15 points to 10. It looked like an epic weekend over in Georgia for the Gloucester fans and everything that went on during that game and around it. So uh, big shout out to Black Lion, and the Georgians uh, for their first game in the Challenge Cup. Uh, What else was good? Let's go to the extra Chief, 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 Chiefs. Brilliant performance down in Toulon. Massive spuds from Henry Slade to kick the winner, fighting back against a big Toulon team. So a big shout-out to the Chiefs boys. No one really gave him a chance to win down there. Callum Sheedy gets a shout-out on the good as well. His drop goal to win it for Bristol after they were, looked like they were home and hosed. But then Leon came back and properly took it to him and could have won the game. So big spuds from Callum Sheedy to drop a goal to win. Apparently he had double cramp as well, so even more impressive. Kieran Frawley gets a mention in the good for his 60-metre howitzer and Leinster in general, who won at La Rochelle having previously never beaten them. So a big shout out to the Leinster boys winning their first game there and Kieran Frawley for the monster nudge. Marcus Smith and Harlequins get a shout out as well as Will Joseph, who was outstanding. Will Joseph made 15 carries, 115 metres, ball in hand and beat eight defenders. So he was class and Marcus Smith... Just ran the show imperiously. So big shout out to the Quinns boys for their victory down at the Ladefonce Arena. Ben Spencer and Bath get a shout out in the good. What a pass that was from Ben Spencer. About 35, 40 metres, bullet pass in the pitch and rain, perfectly positioned, floated it over the top.
3: He's got to be close, any to England. Like yeah. surely now, especially with Youngsey going and the way that they want to play.
1: Yeah, him and Alex Mitchell are the two standout nines at the minute. Uh, Danny Kerr's playing well, although he got sat down by Cameron Walkie. Yeah, <laughs> good one. Well, it's the smallest bloke against one of the biggest, so good luck to you. But yeah, massive shout-out to Ben Spencer and the Bath Boys. Bordeaux get a shout-out on the Good Huge win for them at Connacht. French teams don't normally travel well, but they absolutely destroy the Connacht boys over in Galway. Saints get a shout-out on the Good Quality win at Scotstoun, And overall, the Premiership teams get a monster shout-out. Played 7-1-6. And only our current champion, Saracens, lost at the weekend. So, big week for the Premiership teams in the Investec Champions Cup. The Stormers kids and the OAPs, they get a shout out for showing a bit of fight and defeat at Welford Road. Really good performance from them. Everyone locked up there thinking this was going to be easy for Leicester, and they really took the fight to them. So, they get a shout out in the good. Portugal versus the Springboks or I should say, the Springboks versus Portugal in South Africa in July. Uh, That game has been announced. Some massive news. We obviously had Thomas Appleton on here a few weeks back, and he said, what's next? Well, good luck, mate. You're going to South Africa. Everything you've probably ever dreamed of as a rugby player to go and play an international for Portugal in South Africa. So that's massive news for the game. Other massive news last week was the Lions announcing they're going to play Argentina in Dublin before the 2025 tour to Australia. So big news with that as well. Great for rugby fans to be able to watch the Lions in Dublin before they go on tour. But the good this week goes to one person and one person only. Do you know who it is, Jim? He's got big spuds. I reckon he's got the biggest, most golden spuds there's ever been. Sir Kevin Sinfield is going to win the good this week. He did seven in seven. Seven ultra marathons in seven days to raise money for MND. A fabulous bloke. If he does not get knighted, in the New Year's honours list, there's something wrong with our country because that bloke is a complete hero, doing it for his mate Rob Burrow, doing it for the m d Association. Sir Kevin Sinfield say no more. You are the king and you win the good this week. The bad few bits of bad. We're going to start off over the pond, Jim. Over in USA. Some bad news coming out of America and Canada, actually. Toronto Arrows went bust last week. And this week, MLR, ex-champions, Rugby New York have gone bust as well so mm. talk about growing the game there's loads of money in america well a couple of clubs have gone bust over the last few weeks the mlr is down to 10 teams it's a bad news there unfortunately what else is bad mark noonganita leaving australian rugby to go to rugby league that's bad news for the aussies because we love him don't we
3: yeah he's off to the sydney roosters money is
1: yeah tell the dollars that's that... massive news yeah he's one of their best it players is. Yeah, it just shows what Eddie Jones touches, turns to shit. Um, so Australian rugby have lost one of their best players to league, probably for money, but that's all good. Good luck to Mark Nwanganita Uh What else is bad? Ulster, 31 unanswered points in the second half and they're trouncing down at Bath. That was pretty bad. Cardiff, we didn't mention them. They took 50. Ah, But it's against Toulouse. It is against Toulouse, but they didn't go out. They can't go out if you take 50 points, can you, Jim?
3: Oh, I don't know. It's nearly Christmas.
1: They probably have their yeah. Christmas party. They did, they did. Um, so they get I mentioned the bad this week. Connacht get a mention of the bad. They lost 41 points to five at home to Bordeaux, as we mentioned earlier, so they get a mention. But the bad this week can only go to one person, if it's true. If it's true, it's going to one person. If, if that person has categorically lied, saying, no, mate, I never spoke to Japan, mate. I never spoke to Japan, mate. Well, Eddie, reports are you're getting the Japan job. And that started with an interview that you've lied about. And the way you've conducted yourself, you're a disgrace. You're immoral. You've got no integrity. And that is why, Eddie Jones, if you take the Japan job this week, and it is true, you're a liar and a manipulator. And a manipulator. <laughs> and you've got no fans. <laughs> yeah, you literally have no fans, Eddie Jones. So wish you all the best if you do get the Japan job. But the bad is Eddie Jones for lying through his front teeth, his back teeth, his arse and everything around how he's conducted himself over the last few weeks. If he gets the Japan job, he's a disgrace. Uh, The ugly, only one bit of ugly for me, and it was Billy Vonopola's red card that never should have been a red card. It's an ugly look, the player going down, clutching his face. I don't think it's a red card, so it gets an ugly because I don't think it should have been a red card and Billy got a red. There we go.
0: Thanks, Scooty. And you boys have got some shout-outs to finish off with, don't you?
1: Yeah, we do. Firstly, a massive shout-out to Trevor Baker from the MO19 Firearms Unit in the Met Police who has been battling cancer for the last three years and is now at the stage of receiving life-prolonging medication. Unfortunately, parts of the medication are no longer available on the NHS and so must be purchased privately, costing thousands of pounds per month. The lads from his unit and some of Trev's friends will be doing a massive 24-hour fundraising event with 12 teams running 500-meter relays incorporating a seven-story abseiling tower. They're setting up a JustGiving page to help Trev and his family fund this essential medication, which you can go on by clicking onto justgiving.com and searching for Trevor Baker. So please dig deep and give generously if you can, because massive amount of respect for the Met Police and especially the firearms unit and big shout out to Trevor Baker
3: yeah big shout out and there's another massive fundraising event going on and it's for the Matt Ratana Rugby Foundation Marauders will be taking on Rugby for Heroes 15 with the teams coached by the one and only Dean Richards Dino and the other legend hard as nails Kofskin, Danny Grucock. the game is taking place on the 21st of February at Dings Crusaders RFC in Bristol so get yourself down next year and support a really worthwhile cause, the Matt Rotana Foundation and the story around Matt and what happened not so long ago just kind of shook the whole country. So the fact that the Rugby fraternity are wrapping their arms around that and keeping his memory alive by raising funds is the least we can do. So get behind it, everyone.
0: Thanks, Jim. Thanks, Gertie. Thanks, Producer Robin. Thank you very much for listening. Don't forget to check us out on YouTube and make sure that you're subscribed on Spotify. Rugby Spot. Spotter pod, 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 pod.